0: Our next speaker is John Simons. He's an international consultant. He was here yesterday in case you haven't met him. Very experienced, Um, and I believe we're going to take a great deal from this. Very insightful as well. Welcome, John. Um, Thank you.
1: Hello. Are we on? I've just been going out there trying to round people up to try and avoid that thing where you've been going for 10 minutes and then everyone starts coming in. Uh, I, I don't think I've succeeded. Uh, for those of you who were with me yesterday, we were doing uh, a presentation uh, about uh, producers and uh, about content and about prep and planning and, and that kind of thing. Um, we ran out of time because we ran over. So I'm going to just play you a little bit that would have been on the back of that presentation yesterday, uh, which was from an interview that I did with... Uh, Elvis Duran from Z100 in New York, uh, from the morning show there. And Dennis Clark, uh, who we talked about yesterday, who's the vice president of talent development for iHeart in America and uh, one of the leading uh, producers, if not the most renowned producer in the United States. Tell us about how you pray. How many of you gone on vacation and you took
0: enough clothing for three weeks, even though you're going for three days? I, I did it coming here. I've got 60 pair of shoes back there. I needed three, maybe two pair. I'm that way with my show, our show every day. I overpack for that journey every day. I have enough crap to talk about and to think about for three weeks' worth of shows every day. And it's, it's the most important thing. Is that your safety blanket? Yeah. You because know you you've got more stuff than you need. Yes, and it, you may hate me for saying this, but I don't prep the day before. I, I prep that day. Because if I, if I prep for my show the day before, I'm in a mood. The next morning when I'm doing the show, I'm not in that mood anymore. I'm in today's mood. I want to do what's on my right. mind today. So I prep throughout the... Well, in the morning. Mm-hmm. I prep everything in the morning.
1: Well, you work with the show, Dennis, and the way that they prep. You know, not everyone preps the same way, right? Right, no.
0: I mean, there's uh, a lot of production is done the night before to get stuff edited and packaged up and ready to go, that kind of thing. But you hit the point on it, 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 He gets there at 4, 4.30 in the morning, and he's going through all of the various daily of, of now prep sheets. You know, you, you don't like to uh, record anything. He loves this live feeling. He's in the moment. He's on in many markets, as you sh- showed on the video. So it's like, it's gotta be relatable to at least, you know, 75 markets in the United States right now and uh, in my opinion now is one of the most important ingredients inside a show these days and it's not something that you can kind of like you know prepare that would be like oh that was yesterday and a lot of television news and stuff like that is packaged up as if it was yesterday so uh, no, now is really important to radio and I think the success of radio so I agree with you about you know prepping for the moment.
1: So. Elvis Duran doesn't prep the day before, Uh, he likes to prep on the morning. The bit he missed out of course is he's got a huge team that does a lot of the prep the day before. So that when he comes in, he's just going through the stuff that they've already put together for him, and then he's deciding on what he wants to go with on the air that morning. And if he has an idea, he walks to work every day by the way, He, he lives in Manhattan, he doesn't live very far from the studios, and he likes that walk to work to where he gets in the zone, and really gets his head together, ready for the show. And two really important factors that came out of that. The first one was he's there two hours before the show starts. You know we said, "Get there 45 minutes before the show starts." Elvis gets there two hours before the show starts. Um, and the other thing was... He packs more than he needs, he has so much prep, 80% of that prep will not get to air on that show that day. But that's the safety blanket, that's like when I was talking yesterday about my, my list of 10 things. I know I'm never going to use 10 topics on a show, but if I've got them, I can relax, and I can sleep at night, and then I can come in and do a more comfortable and easy show. So, that's Elvis's way. It's not the way that everyone does it, but it's a good way. Anyone recognize this guy? I'll be very surprised if you do. Um, This is a guy called Alan Freeman, who was one of the first top 40 chart DJs in the UK back in the 1950s and the 1960s. He's no longer with us, but he was renowned for charts. And we're going to do a top 20 now so I've had to take a leaf out of Fluff's book it, it, that was his nickname, his nickname was Fluff because he quite often used to get the lines wrong, he'd fluff a line so his, his nickname became Fluff um, I can't, another little story, when I was trying to break into radio and I don't know what, what it's like here but when I was a kid and I was trying to gr- get my first gig in radio I'd be sending off demo tapes and trying to get program directors to just see me, never mind give me a gig And I get so many rejections. Uh, Rejection after rejection after rejection. And then one day on the train station on my way, I used to work at the Steelworks on Teesside in in, uh, the UK. And on my way to work to the Steelworks, I actually bumped into Alan Freeman, who was a legend. He was a huge celebrity. He was just sat there on the station. And I missed my train because I was sat talking to him. Uh, And he was giving me encouragement about... Uh, keep going, keep trying to get into radio because I, w- I was getting to the point where I was going to give up because I was getting rejected so many times. And he said, No, he said he never got into radio till he was 28. He said, So, and at the time, I think I was about 20. He said, You have plenty of time, keep going, keep trying, believe in yourself. That's what he, he said to me, uh, and, I, and I never forgot it. And the next demo tape, I got my first gig now. Whether it was because of him, I don't know. But I always remembered his encouragement. And then years later, I ended up working with him at the BBC. And I told him about the story. And he gave me a big kiss. (laughs) Right, here we go. The top 20 traits of great radio presenters. At number 20, they can be relied on in a crisis. They control stress. They don't blame others when things go wrong and they don't bring moods or trouble into the studio. So, the great presenter, when everything is turned to crap, and all that's working in the studio now is a microphone and everything else is not working, they're the guys that stay cool and keep us on the air while everyone else runs around around them. But as the presenter on the air, you stay calm and you don't stress. That's number 20. Number nineteen, the the well-read and don't pretend to be what they aren't. You've got to be aware what's going on in your community, in your country, in the world. You've, You've got to know what people care about where you live. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you consume as much information as possible. But don't pretend that you're you're better read than you are. Be yourself, but be aware of what's going on, not only in the world, not only in your community, but around you as well. This sounds so obvious. They listen to the station. They don't just listen to their show. They listen to the rest of the radio station, so they know what's going on on everyone else's shows. Um, when I was 30 uh, I, I ran out of road at uh, the, the gig that I had uh, the first gig that I got and you, you, you get fired a lot in this business you know, I'm, I've, been, I've been fired on many occasions um, so I'd run out of road and I ended up at a, a radio station which was aimed at a, a much older demographic than me but they gave me a gig and I needed a gig and I hated listening to the station that I was on And I felt embarrassed that I hated listening to the station that I was on. But I forced myself to listen to it because that was my station and I needed to know what all the other guys were doing. And eventually, I actually learned more from being at that radio station than I had up until that point. Because there was a lot of older DJs on the station and I learned a lot from them. But at first, it was a struggle. They always pre-read. Then they reread scripts before putting them on the air. That's the golden rule. If You've got a script, you've got to read it out. Read it through. Then read it through again. Then if you still haven't nailed it, read it out aloud before you read it on the air. And more importantly, if you can, if it's a a wordy script, turn it into bullet points and ad-lib around it. But still, ad-lib around it once, twice, three times then on the air until you've absolutely nailed it we talked about rehearsing yesterday You remember? that's what rehearsing is they're never sexist racist or bigoted on the air being on the radio station is a privilege holding that mic is a privilege never abuse that privilege Uh, anyone know who this is? It's the saint. Simon Templer, the original one. Roger Moore, who went on to be James Bond. He was very young there. But he was the saint. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a saint, but you do have to wind it in when you're on the air. Never sexist, never racist, and never bigoted. Good presenters prepare for their program and do the paperwork afterwards. Well, we we saw that clip from Elvis Duran earlier on. He does have a huge team around him, but he still does prep himself. Now, if you haven't got a producer, you're going to have to do the, the paperwork yourself after the show. But after the show, not during the show. In the good old days where we used to play vinyl, you used to have to fill, in the UK anyway, you used to have to fill in the returns. So it was the, the title of the song, the artist, the publisher, the record label, the matrix number, and the duration of the song. And there was a kind of, that you had to do that for every song that you played. You had to handwrite it all out uh, in, in quadruplet. Uh, and um, there was kind of a, a thing amongst the jocks that you always had to do that while you were on the air. So by the time you got to the end of the show, you'd logged all of your songs but you said the last thing you were thinking about was what you were going to say on the air because you were so busy filling in all the forms so I quite quickly realized that I'm not going to fall for this I'm going to do the paperwork after the show and I'm going to concentrate on what I'm saying in between the songs while I'm on the air so do the paperwork afterwards you don't have to do all that now here we go. They are hometown proud. Has anyone heard of Newton Nacliffe? <laughs> That's my hometown. right? It was a brand new town built after the Second World War. It's a concrete jungle. Everyone was from somewhere else. It's not a great place to live or to grow up. But it's my town. And anyone else can say what they like about it. Uh, but it's still my town, and I'm hometown proud. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put it up there. But it is a (laughs) shithole. But it's my (laughs) shithole. Always talk, and this especially if you move from station to station. So you go from, I don't know, if you go from Durban to Cape Town. So you've been on the air in Durban, now you're on the air in Cape Town. Or you come from Cape Town to Johannesburg. The new town that you're in, that's your town now. You've got to be hometown proud. Johannesburg, I love Johannesburg. But when I was in Cape Town, boy did I love Cape Town. Be hometown proud. Because all the people who are listening to you, they're proud of where they come from. So you be proud of where you're broadcasting to as well. Who saw the Elvis Duran video yesterday before he'd lost hundred? How many pounds? Right. That's what he looks like now. Uh, On the video at the beginning, he he was about halfway through his weight loss journey then. Um, Now he's a lot... I mean, he looks like a different guy. looks like a completely different guy. And the interesting thing is, he's doing a lot more TV work now. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Number 12, they're always well turned out and on time. Look at that jacket. That's a showbiz jacket if I've ever seen one always well turned out they expect you to be well turned out the public expect you to be something a little bit special we don't want to treat you like you are something special but they expect you to be something special we're in showbiz guys we're in a branch of showbiz we're not in Hollywood but we're still in showbiz so make sure you play the part number 11 They promote and support their fellow presenters on and off the air. This is a tricky one, because there's always competition between DJs, presenters, from show to show. Um, The breakfast show guy always thinks everyone else wants his gig. Um, Usually everyone else wants his gig. (laughs) So, (laughs) so there's always that pressure, isn't there? Um, But if you play as a team, then you're stronger. I don't know if you watched the World World Cup game with England last night. They're not great stars. Our team at the moment don't have a lot of stars in them. But they play as a team. Gareth Southgate's got them playing as a team. And they're playing stronger. It's the same in radio. You play as a team, you're much stronger. This is a really nice one. This is from six years ago when Grimmy took over the morning show on BBC Radio 1. It's just announced that he's leaving uh, and he's going to drive time. But on the first morning of his show, he got got so much uh, stick in the press. He got a lot of negative press about him taking over the breakfast show. On the first morning of the breakfast show, at 5 a.m. in the morning, all the other DJs from all the other shows came in to support him and give him a lift. And that had such an effect on him. And if you do that, if you play as a team, you're stronger as a team. You remember what the words team stand for? T-E-A-M. Together, everyone achieves more. Number ten. We're halfway through. They're always out in the community. Um... Niles, Niles will recognize this one. This is uh, from Cork in Southern uh, Ireland and uh, uh, it's uh, the second biggest market in Ireland, very competitive market. Whenever the guys there go out they always carry these little things with them so that and any, anyone's taking pictures of 96 FM, it always says we are Cork. Get out in the community. If you get booked to do a gig, whether I don't know if it's a fete or it's just a village thing or a, uh, whether it's a red carpet do, always be well turned out. Always turn up on time. Always, always talk to people. They're your audience. Find out what they're talking about. Find out what they care about. Use those opportunities when you're out. Even if it's a paid-for gig, it's still a great time to connect with your audience and find out what they 're all about, so always, always get out in the community. Oh, this is the tough one this guy, this guy looks like a piece of work doesn 't he they 're friends with the sales department that 's the sales department, the sponsorship and promotions department, the online sales you know the, there 's so many different areas now of commercialization within radio but remember it's commercial radio and what word comes first what word comes first commercial so without the commercials we have got no radio so be friends with the sales department make them your best buddies it'll pay off for you in the long run they'll get better promotions for your show because they like you And they might not like some of the other guys who don't go out of their way to be friends with the sales department. So you get better stuff for your show. So be friends with the sales department. They're just trying to do their job. And I don't know if you've ever been out. Has Anyone from programming ever gone out on a sales call with a salesperson? You should do that. It's a great thing to do. Those guys have to deal with rejection so much. You know what they say about sales, the more you ask people for money, the more money you get. Well, they get lots of rejections where they don't get any money. So they're doing a tough job, so give them credence for what they're doing and make friends with them. They're keen to learn new skills, they don't just show and go. There used to be a time when people used to turn up five minutes before the show and if the news was on the top of the hour, they were out of the building before the news was over. Those days are long gone. We, we live in such a competitive market now. You cannot do that anymore. You've got to put much more effort in. You've got to really work hard, not just before the show, but after the show as well. And learning is fun. If there's a new piece of kit in the studio, make sure you know exactly what it's all about. Talk to the engineers about it. Or talk to the, on, you know, the IT people about any new kit that's been put in on one of the screens. Make sure you know exactly what all the new kit is all about. It'll pay you dividends in the future. You're future-proofing your career by learning about all the new things that come along. And it, it, it might be the shift, one of the sessions I was in earlier on, about that shift from Facebook to Instagram. And then the older people who were on Facebook are now moving to Facebook. I'm on Instagram now. I, I didn't used to be on Instagram. So the youngsters they are going to find something else new. That's that's not Instagram now. Make sure you're aware of all that. They share some of their life with their listeners. We played a clip from Howard Stern in one of the sessions earlier yesterday. This is Howard Stern. I think he's about 67 now. He looks great, doesn't he? Do you think he dyes his hair? I think he might. (laughs) He looks great though. He is renowned for bringing his life on the air to the, to the detriment of his family sometimes. He's done some quite insensitive things uh, about his family on the air. And I'm not saying that that's the place for you to go, uh, because that's his thing. Um, and I think he's pulled that back a lot now anyway. Um, but if you, I used to say to my wife when I'm on the air, if you don't want me to talk about it on the air, don't tell me because anything is material you want, you're looking radio shows eat material so you're looking for material all the time so just say to your partner, you don't want this to go on the air don't tell me because if it's a good bit it's going on the air and I'm going to use it and I'm going to get a bit out of it and Howard's the master of that they paint pictures with their links You've probably heard this, it sounds quite trite. It's been used many, many times before uh, I ever came along. The pictures on radio are better than the pictures on TV because they're in your mind. We're talking, it's such a personal relationship we have with with the listener because we're talking straight into their heads and we're painting pictures in their minds. And when you're storytelling, you're you're creating an image in, in their heads of what you've been doing and what you're trying to communicate to them, and you know the most purest form of this is football commentary on the radio. Well, who would have thought ever you were going to do any kind of sports commentary on the radio? But it's huge, and it has been for years and years. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, right? We're going to go back to square one. Have you ever heard that phrase? That comes from when the BBC started doing football commentary back in the 1930s. And they put a a, a chart in the Radio Times, which was the magazine everyone used to get in those days, with the Times of all the radio shows on. And they carved the pitch into squares. So from left to right, square one, square two, square three. And in the commentary they would say, right, we're in square three now and we've just kicked the ball to square seven. That didn't last very long, that style of commentary. But that's where the phrase comes from, back to square one, when the BBC carved the football pitch up into squares. But telling people what's going on on a football pitch, where the ball is, which, where's the direction of play, what, the, what one player's doing because he's injured, what another player's doing over here, you're painting pictures, and they're so vivid. And it beats TV hands down. Number five, they know their audience. They watch the TV that's relevant. They see the movies that are on the, on the go. They go to the places and do the things that their audience do. So I was in Singapore last week, working in Singapore. A brand new Hong Kong restaurant had opened, a Chinese restaurant. because Singapore is like 70% Chinese. Everyone was going to this new Hong Kong restaurant. I don't know, I looked at the menu, they do a bread bun with evaporated milk on I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to queue for an hour for a bread bun with evaporated milk on it, but they must like it anyway. But but all the guys from the radio stations I'm working on were going down that restaurant to find out what all the fuss was about. And then they could talk about it on the air. Watching TV. Who's watching Love Island? (laughs) Niles. (laughs) I don't think you're the target demographic. <laughs> I noticed it was on—it's on the main channels over here at the moment. Huge in the UK. Uh, Love Island is huge. Um, I was doing a session in Belfast a couple of weeks ago. Just Love Island had just started. The main presenter thought it was the worst show on TV, and we shouldn't have that kind of—it's it, salacious. It's the wrong sort of thing. We shouldn't be but everyone's talking about it you've got to watch it you don't have to like it you just have to watch it and be aware of it and know what's going on in it you can actually go in the air and be real and honest and say look I think this is the biggest pile of garbage I've ever seen in my life but you know I can see why everyone's into it now the latest movie I think uh, was it Ocean's 8 is coming out fairly soon all female cast very different everyone's going to be talking about it go see it Make sure you know what it's all about. If you can't get to see it, go online and watch the trailer. You can kid people an awful lot, even if you haven't been to see it. But you've got to be aware of everything that's, that's hot at the moment. Number four. They use social media effectively to stay relevant to their audience. This slide's starting to look a bit dated now. Because... We should have Instagram on there, or Snapchat, or, you know, there's a lot of other things now. But you've got to be aware of all those things. You know, we talked about that, the shift from Facebook to Instagram. By the way, doesn't Facebook own Instagram? So really, it's just another Facebook, isn't it? <laughs> so, very clever. But you've got to be aware of all these things. The latest online thing, the latest social media thing. So that you can talk about it. Because if the kids who are listening to you know all about it, they expect you to know about it as well. So, whenever it's relevant to the audience. The top three has anyone worked out what's number one? Yeah. They talk to one person, not the audience. I used to do a, a feature. On one station uh, with the uh, local Neighborhood Watch policeman he used to come on to promote Neighborhood Watch. And he used to do the TV as well before he came on to do the radio with me. And every time I used to say to him, Don't say hello to everybody. All right, John, I've got it. And then he'd come on and say, Hello, viewers. I said, Look, for the start off, they're not viewers. You've done the TV. You're on radio now. They're listeners. But I don't want you to say, hello, listeners. I just want you to say, hello. (laughs) So you're talking to one person. Remember that intimate relationship between you and the listener straight into their heads. Number two. They listen to snoops of the show regularly. They identify the issues and work on fixing them. Do you, it might be an old-fashioned phrase this now, snoop sessions, coaching sessions, whatever you want to call them. I prefer coaching sessions. The reason they were called snoop sessions was there used to be a little cassette machine that used to record your link as soon as you opened the mic and then the cassette turned off when you closed the mic. And then the, the PD could just go through your links with you. Um, which, you know, it's, that's where the, the, the phrase snoop session comes from. And it sounds kind of negative straight away that, you know... We've been snooping on you. It's more of a, a coaching thing. But if your PD's not doing that with you enough, do it yourself. Listen back to your own show. The top pros listen to everything they do, watch everything they do, and they learn from their mistakes. And you learn far more from when you've done something wrong than when you do something right. So make sure you listen back to your own show. And identify any of the issues that you've learned. Finally, they've got something to say and they aren't afraid to say it. There's an old adage, if you've not got anything to say, don't say it. Well, you're in radio and you're a presenter or a DJ or whatever you call it, you should always have something to say because that's the job. So, Make sure you've got something to say, and when you say it, say it with conviction. And this is, uh, this is Nick Ferrari from LBC in London, the talk station. And uh, he was talking about the, uh, the voting for the mayor of London at the time. And uh, he's very opinionated. So there you go. The number one, have something to say, and don't be afraid to say it. Within reason, by the way. You know, we've done the bit about not being sexist, racist, or bigoted. So we don't want that. We're not trying to turn everyone into shock jocks. But whatever you've got on your mind, you want to talk about it, talk about it. But turn it into something that's relevant to the listener as well. Did we miss any? Has anyone come up with anything that I might have missed out of that top 20? No? Should we count them down again in top 40 radio style? Do you think I can do that? Should we try? Here we go. The top 20 traits of great radio presenters. And at number 20, they control stress and moods and they can be relied upon in a crisis. At number 19, they're well read and they're not false. At number 18, they listen to the rest of the radio station that they work on. In at 17, always pre-read and re-read scripts. At 16, they're never racist, sexist or bigoted. At number 15, they do their prep before the show and they do their paperwork after the show. So we're at number 14 and they're always hometown proud. At 13, they can laugh at themselves and they often do. At number 12, they're well turned out and they're always on time. At number 11, they promote their fellow presenters and the other shows on the station. So now we're into the top 10. At number 10, they're always out in the community. At number 9, they're friends with the commercial team. At number 8, they're keen to learn new skills and they don't show and go. At number 7, they share their life on air and they're real. Number 6, they paint pictures with words. Into the top 5 and at number 5, they know their audience and they live their life. At number four, they're social media savvy. And now we're into the top three. At number three, they talk to one person and not the whole audience. At number two, they aircheck their own shows. And at number one, they have something to say. One take. A bit cheesy, I know. But everyone likes pizza. So that's the top 20 traits of great radio presenters. And should we get the take of a radio presenter on what he thinks is important in the show? How do you think that would be? Well, let's do this before we take any questions. So should we get the the most popular, the highest paid presenter in the UK to tell us the 10 things that are most important in his show? Should we do that? Who do you think that might be?
2: Chris Evans, here we go. The three words I think describe our breakfast show on BBC Radio 2 best would be passionate, energetic, and warm. We are positive every day, and I also think we never take ourselves too seriously. Uh, We know our place, uh, we know our listeners, uh, or we, we think we know our listeners, and we try to know them more and more each day, and, you know they listen to us but we do listen to them as well nowadays especially it's very important to get lots of listener interaction i don't think it's necessarily important to get a lot of callers on the air but it's important to get a sense that a lot of people are listening and engaging in our conversation playing plenty of music is hugely important they do say that music is what feelings sound like and i love that you know and i think that you know, as, as flowers need the sunshine and the rain, I think human beings need music. We do have a lot of guests on our show every day and every week. Because what we did when we set off doing the show five years ago, the breakfast show, is, you know, we had this rule where we weren't going to have any famous people on for a good while. And we were going to talk to people who weren't famous but were passionate. Because passionate beats everything, hands down, all the time. Now, if you have certain ingredients and certain specific criteria for whether a person should be on your show or not, um, then obviously the more of those you get right, the better the whole package is. You know, and if you can get somebody who's famous and well-known and liked and passionate and relevant, then that's fine. But actually, the, this, the celebrity aspect of it, the fame aspect of it, is, is the least important for our program. I think the characteristics of a great producer is very simply to weigh up who they're working with and what they're working on and then figure out what that situation needs as opposed to what they want to bring to that situation. We are a team show, you know, I'm the, I'm the motormouth, but the team are unbelievable. I think it's very similar to a kitchen in a restaurant, you know, there, there's, there's the producer at the pass, you know, and then there's all the sort of sous chefs and that they're, they're throwing dishes his way or ingredients his way or her way and um, and then he gets them ready and you know what he thinks or she thinks is right comes through to me you know in a in a gorgeous neat ball of something to do with on the radio um, and it's, it's massively important. The best piece of advice I've ever been given I think is just keep going you know whether it's trying to get a job or trying to get through a show just keep going because those boxes will get ticked you know um, and that's a great feeling just keep ticking the boxes you know one foot in front of the other you know just keep moving forward uh, that that's it that's what i would say just keep going i've been asked to recall what the best feature i've ever done or been involved with on the radio is i can't remember anything to be honest i don't really want to you know i i delete whatever little is in here at the end of every show so we're ready for another one you know i need blank canvases you know galleries are for other people to look around you know, not, not for me to record. So I don't know, and I actually don't care. What's, what, what's the most important thing is what's, what's the next best thing we're going to do. My one golden rule for me as a presenter, never take this for granted. Never take this for granted, you know. The fact that we have been, I have been allowed access to a BBC microphone is a really big deal, you know, and I cannot forget that. I should never ever forget that. And if I take that for granted, you know, it's time to leave.
1: That's it. The top 20 traits of great radio presenters and then Chris Evans' take on what makes his show the best radio show in Europe. Thank you very much. I'm John Simons. Good night.